You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody to Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball. Happy Friday to you. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And with me for today's show from Fan Rag Sports, uh, Jessica Kleinschmidt. Jess, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm just happy it's Friday. I'm in the best mood. It's going to be such a fabulous show. I'm excited. That that is so awesome. That is so awesome. We, I, you know, I think we all may may need to pick me up, even though it's Friday. You're right. It's it's mm-hmm. a good reason to uh, to be happy. Uh, but uh, yeah, lots lots going on. Some. Some good news, some some not so good news. So you know, even when we're mm-hmm. talking about all the you know the yucky injury news, Jess, you can you right. can pick us up. So that's... there's tons of it. Every every I think the disabled list has more talent than regular baseball right now. It's crazy. It, yeah. When it, when I look at my fantasy rosters, it, it certainly feels that way. But well, let's <laughs> yeah. let's start with 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 the happy news. Gary Sanchez is back. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Gary Sanchez is back and uh he is in the Yankees lineup. Right now we got the Cubs and the Yankees. Uh it's Chris Bryant one, Yankees nothing. Chris Bryant hit mm-hmm. his sixth home run. Sanchez 0 for one so far in this game, but I don't care. He's in the lineup and I get to put him back in my lineup. Uh so good mm-hmm. news there. And uh, some other Yankee tidbits as well. Uh Jacoby Ellsbury not in the lineup today, but could be back tomorrow. He's been dealing with uh, an elbow issue, and uh, he is supposed to get treatment and hit in the cage today, according to Brian Hawk from MLB.com. And also from Brian Hawk, uh, Joe Girardi says he's considering playing Matt Holiday at first base in this series at Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. So as a Holiday owner, I'm happy about that too. Mm-hmm. So good, good news there. Uh, all right, well, let's get on to maybe some of the not-so-good news. Cardinals have a couple of uh, uh, items here of concern. Stephen Piscotti on the disabled list with a right hamstring strain. And just actually before this happened, I, I tripped across Piscotti's name in um, a, a, a leaderboard sort I was doing. Out, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, this is a very, very geeky thing, so I don't know if that's something, you know, you come across and you're researching players. It's like, wow, I can't believe this player is is on this particular leaderboard. But Piscotti, mm-hmm. despite you know, lack of, of uh, power relative to the last couple of seasons. He's 17th mm-hmm. in the major leagues in average fly ball distance. So I think you combine okay. that. I think you combine that with, um, you know, the fact that he's on the DL right now. And what, what do you think about buying low on Piscotti right now? Yeah. And I mean, if you look at his overall stats and you mentioned like the power, you're looking at his ISO numbers, they're just, they're not going to blow up if you will. But it's definitely, when it comes to Biscotti, I don't mind his buy-low option at all, especially from, from that perspective. But, I mean, there's just so much going on in the outfield right now so that kind of makes people people worried. And everybody's getting a hamstring strain this time around. And it's obviously you want to see how he can kind of come back from it. The 10-day DL can, make, can mean three days. It can mean 20 days. You don't really know. So when it comes to this scenario, it's, it's kind of like that. But, yeah, I mean, the power is not there, but he manages to, to get some balls in the air manages to you know get the balls right in the holes and everything like that. So I really actually like a Piscotti play. Absolutely. 
Good. Well, I'm glad I'm not to be alone on, on Piscotty Isle there. So, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's good, good news for us, but not good news right now for Stephen mm-hmm. Piscotty. Uh, also on the Cardinals, uh, Dexter Fowler, he uh, strained his shoulder in yesterday's game and got an MRI. I have not seen uh, any word yet on those results, but uh, of course, anytime you hear about a player getting an MRI, that's not, you know, usually the, the best direction. Um, right. So with, with you know, I mean, already um, Tommy Pham's been called up, but Harrison mm-hmm. Bader, I think, would be a candidate to make his major league debut if both Biscotti and Fowler were out. Um, how, how much do you like Bader uh, as a you know potential fill-in? I actually don't know much about Bader. I know about Sam a little bit, um, but that was mainly because he, he's doing well in the PCL. But the thing I liked about Sam was the fact that he's playing in the PCL, but he was playing for the for Memphis. So, like, the ballpark factor really wasn't behind him in that aspect. Yeah. If you look at the PCL overall, he's certainly not ballpark factors and whatever. So, yeah, I think Sam was hitting around 280. But I really like the transition from him being bumped up because I think his transition will be a little bit easier. But in regards to Bader, haven't really been following him that much. But when the, the Sam call-up isn't the worst yeah. thing. But obviously, from a DFS play, we don't really know how much he's going to go for because he's brand new and in that type of scenario, but yeah. True, true. All right, well, we will talk a little bit more about this situation. We've got a a lot more news to cover. We've got uh, weather to look at, lineups. So uh, stay with us, everybody. We will be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melfior, and with me today for the whole hour is Jessica Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag. Uh, Jess recently wrote a nice piece on Sonny Gray. We're going to talk about that later in the show. Uh, and, of course, we've got a lot more news to get to, some player performances to, uh, to look at. But before we get to any of that, I need to talk to you about the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. You can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports Radio Network with you wherever you go. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio app now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play now and listen for free anytime, anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, Greg Sussman on the subway, or just relax with the king on the couch, or Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. Uh, Jess, let's, uh, you want to check in on some weather? Yes. I, I'm glad. I'm glad you want to do that. Uh, so excited for weather, Al. So excited. <laughs> well, you know, uh, how, how many uh, uh, daily lineups do you have today? Or tonight, I, I, I have say. quite a few. I have quite a few. And I always get, especially with the Tampa matchups, and it's, you know, two, four, two, uh, not two Florida teams, but when Liriano plays in 
in Tampa, I always am either all in on him or I'm very, very nervous. He was a guy that I hated at the beginning of the season during that matchup. Um, but when it comes to the humidity factor, which to me is usually a tiebreaker for me, either the pitcher is going to do phenomenal in that weather or the bats are going to do phenomenal in that weather. It really depends on the matchups. And I always stress that to people when they're playing in Miami or in Florida, any Florida type of scenario. So I definitely yeah. want people to pay attention to that factor as well. Well, in, in Miami, they usually have got the, the roof closed and in, in mm-hmm. uh, Tampa, of course, they've always got the roof closed. <laughs> so uh, the, the weather, uh, you know, weather should be a factor, uh, won't be a factor for Liriano. So that's that's, uh, you know, obviously good news there. Mm-hmm. But uh, we do have a couple of games with some precipitation chance, some significant precipitation chance. One is the Giants at the Reds, 85 uh, percent chance there at game time although it does look like it's going to clear uh, later on in the evening there in Cincinnati. And then just a little bit to the east over in Pittsburgh, you got the Brewers at PNC Park, 65% chance at game time. But uh, weather must be moving east from Cincinnati because, or at least that's what they're predicting, because the chance of precipitation actually goes up in that one after game time. So keep an eye on on those uh, particular uh, situations. Uh, we've got a few lineups in. Uh, of course, we've got Yankees-Cubs already ongoing. Uh, we've got the Reds against the Giants. And actually, I take that back. We have a few lineups that popped up. Uh, so we've got the Reds, mm-hmm. Pirates, Phillies, and Rays. And um, just taking a quick scan here because I hadn't noticed these particular ones. Uh, we've got Jose Ozuna getting a start against a righty, Jimmy Nelson, kind of like that. Uh, mm-hmm. Nothing else here that's really uh, floating my boat, though. So let's get uh, back to the, the big news items then. Ian Kennedy went on the disabled list with a right hamstring strain. He came out of yesterday's game early. Uh, Mike Sosha said Mike Trout has been dealing with a sore hammy. So, or I should say a tight hamstring, which was probably also sore. But initially, I don't know about you, Jess, but when I saw the reports about that, it was just, oh, Mike Trout's getting a day off. And uh, if, if anything, Twitter was just mm-hmm. having a good old time rhyming saying Trout is out. But I guess a little bit of concern there. Are you, are you concerned? Yeah. You can't spell uh, never. I feel like Mike Trout on a bad day is me like on the best day of my life. So I'm really I'm never really worried about Trout. And Yeah. And I mean, but I feel like if it's, a, if it's a guy like Trout, like even the littlest thing will worry someone. But at the same time, it is Mike Trout. And these, these, this particular injury is so redundant when it comes to these guys. So I'm not too stressed. But there, if you look at a lot of the articles that are out right now, like the moment something a little bit of a blemish happens to Trout, people are always like, it's okay. A, a little of a setback for Trout is is nothing. I mean, his price is still the same across the industry. It didn't affect anything DFS-wise. Hmm. Um, and especially in the matchup against Keuchel, it didn't change his pricing at all. Um, so that was definitely something to pay attention to, which means to show the DFS sites know that it's not a big deal when it comes to him. So I'm not worried about him at all. Okay, well, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. Uh, J.D. Mm-hmm. Martinez, he is scheduled to be, begin a rehab assignment with uh, Single A Lakeland in the Florida State League. So he's working his way back. That is great news. And a couple of notes from John Heyman from FanRag Sports. Carlos Rodon has thrown two bullpen sessions, and he's uh, expected to be about four weeks away from his return. So it really been silent on Rodon for a long, long time. So not that that's the greatest news, but at least we have some you know, rough estimate of when Rodon's going to be back. So that's good. Right. Yeah. And then also from uh, John Heyman, uh, Joanna Cespedes, he says, is a long shot to return in the month of May. I'm not too surprised on that based on how that injury looked, but 
Again, it's mm -hmm. good to get a, at least a little bit of clarity on Cespedes' situation. Uh, this from the mm -hmm. Toronto Sun, Josh Donaldson and Troy Tulowitzki could return Monday. I recall talking about this, uh, I think, last weekend and saying don't start them this week, but they could be back right. next Monday. So they're they're on track. So uh, mm -hmm. that's good there. And then just a couple more items. Carlos Gonzalez left uh, yesterday's game early with a calf cramp, but it, uh, according to uh, Nick Grokey, uh, that it was a precautionary move and cargo is day to day. Mm -hmm. And last one, Travis Darno went to see a doctor yesterday regarding his sore wrist, uh, but I have not seen any further reports on that as well. So let's uh, take a look at some of the more noteworthy performances yesterday on the mound. And I'm not even going to talk about Max Scherzer, even though I think that was the best outing of any pitcher yesterday, but it's Max Scherzer. So it's supposed he doesn't to be, need, right? yeah, he doesn't need any more attention. He's fine. He's fine. <laughs> that's, that's right. So <laughs> we're of the, the pitchers that, you know, aren't, you know, more or less automatic. Um, who stood out to you yesterday from some of these, these better performances? I mean, there were a couple, I mean, I actually got to watch Kaya, uh, watch Freeland in person. So I was really glad to see that his performance went well. And in the moment you have a Rockies guy, this was at um, Coors, wasn't it? No, no, this one was at Petco. Oh, okay. Well, either way, this, this whole, that's right. It was at Petco. So when it comes to any sort of Rockies pitcher, when you're going into your lineups, um, when you're drafting, you're going to be worried at the moment of Rockies pitcher is just a Rockies pitcher, especially from the home stand performance. But if you're looking at the Rockies pitching overall, they've actually been pretty stellar considering, you know, they are Rockies pitchers, but I've always liked Freeland. Um, I watched his velocity was just great from when I saw him um, and everything like that. So I really liked Freeland and then AJ Griffin is always the guy that I'm, particularly impressed with um, just because he's kind of a guy where you're not going to be putting a lot of attention on him. And especially coming from um, a situation where he's on a team that is really struggling right now. And um, that's definitely something to pay attention to. And then obviously I love Luis Perdomo um, every single time, mainly from a DFS perspective, because he's always going to be cheap. And I love those cheap kind of stealthy pitchers. Um, and then he manages to surprise as well. And then, um, so those are probably my main standouts. And I'm really glad Holland's kind of staying up with the, with the with the curve as well, because heading into the season, you know, I mean, especially last season, he was very successful. And I think that was a surprise for a lot of people. So I'm just glad a lot of these not so big names, as you mentioned, not the Scherzer's of the world are actually being rather successful. So I'm really happy with that. Well, yeah, and I'm glad you picked out a few of those pitchers. And I definitely want to talk about Freeland and Perdomo. And that's just an, an interesting matchup in that, you know, a, a couple of, of, you know, young uh, up and coming pitchers and both among the leaders in, in ground ball rate. Um, so, mm -hmm. you know, kind of an interesting matchup there. And you know who else loves Kyle Freeland? Had him on the show uh, earlier this week. Uh, our, our colleague Bernie Pleskoff from FanRag uh, mm -hmm. just wrote a piece about Freeland, and he likes him a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'll get back to those two. But you, you mentioned Griffin, and you're know, talking about the Rangers struggling, and certainly the loss of Cole Hamels doesn't help there. But the Rangers, for me, have really become a team to pick on in terms of matchups. So mm -hmm. I'm sort of interested to hear what you, you have to say from a DFS perspective. But they, along with the Royals, who you know got, got uh, pretty well dominated by Derek Holland, those two teams, they're just so aggressive uh, and not very selective. And it just seems like, uh, you know, like we see with the Padres as well, that almost any pitcher goes in there and gets a strikeout per inning or more. I mean, there's certainly limits to that. We saw that with uh, 
Antonio Sensatella against the Padres. Uh, Ty, uh, mm-hmm. Ty Block, I think, also against the Padres. But, you know, those guys are extreme. But you get somebody like a Derek Holland, who's a, a halfway decent strikeout pitcher. And, and it's not a huge surprise to me to have him perform like that. So, um, you know, how, how do you feel? Well, actually, let me kind of turn the question around. Which teams do you like to pick on in terms of strikeouts from a daily perspective? Oh, that's a great question. So it really depends on obviously the matchup and, you know, what side you're referring to. But I mean, when it comes to like, even, you know, Michael Fulmer is on the bump today and he's, he's not really, he's more of like, he's actually been walking a lot lately and, but he's also going to be, you know, striking out every now and then. But when it comes to like Danny Salazar matchup, oh gosh, I love him to raise his pieces. His strikeout rate has been through the roof um, and everything like that. But when it comes to, you know, offensive struggles, it's just been a weird season I feel um, and when you're mentioning you know guy like even like a guy like Sonny Gray who's not going to be striking out a lot but then going to be you know hitting the ball on the ground so it's like an A scenario a lot of times you know it's, it's something in the back of my mind but you know you mentioned the Rangers they're obviously super yeah. easy to pick on in, in that scenario <laughs> and, and everything else I'm right there with you yeah well good good to hear Jess well we got to go to break I want to talk about Freeland and Perdomo a couple other pitchers get to some hitters too so stick around we'll be right back Back everybody, you are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host Al Melchior, and with me today, also from FanRag Sports, is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And uh, we had just been talking about some teams that we uh, like to pick on in terms of their potential to give a pitcher strikeouts. I, you know, I don't think I'm going to often look for that with Kyle Freeland and Luis Perdomo. Uh, just a couple of pitchers that you mentioned before mm-hmm. the break, both with with really nice. Um, Nice performances on Thursday. Freeland at San Diego, of course, facing each other. So Freeland at the Padres, uh, six and a third innings, three hits, one run, two walks, four strikeouts. Again, Padres strike out a lot. Freeland couldn't really take advantage of that, but a good outing nonetheless. And then uh, for the Padres, Perdomo went six innings, five hits, one run, two walks, five strikeouts. Uh, But Mm -hmm. Both have ground ball rates above 60%. In fact, Perdomo's is 69%, right. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'm, I'm having a little sense of deja vu with Perdomo. Um, and I'm glad he's still available in a lot of leagues because I feel like the signs were sort of there and I missed them before. Um, this, to me, feels like the Dallas Keuchel breakout. From oh, uh, I like I guess that. Three, I like three that. years ago. Well, yeah, because I mean, he's got just an insane ground ball rate. And he's mm-hmm. showing little improvements on the margins that seem to be, you know, adding up to a, a big difference in performance. You know, just tightening up the control a little bit, being a, a little more dominant in terms of, you know, getting swings and misses. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that just may be all he needs. So, uh, you know, that that's pretty hyperbolic of me to compare Perdomo to, to Dallas Keuchel. But it, it does have that sense of deja vu for me. 
Yeah, so. and the thing I like about him is, is you mentioned like the, the ground ball rating is there, and even when the, the balls are flying, if he if somebody does get some sort of contact in the air, they're not really leaving the infield, and so that's kind of great too. And people aren't hitting the ball hard off of him, and it's kind of nice mm-hmm. to see like that's kind of been highlighting. And he's on a on a team where you know it's, it's the Padres. What are you really expecting from him? And and last year in a couple of DFS performances, he was a guy to really go for, especially at that cheap price. So I really like him overall. So I mean, I don't I don't hate that comp at all. Um, but I mean. Comparing anybody to Dallas Keuchel, like I hope he's listening because Luis is going to have a big head after that. But either way, it's kind of <laughs> he's and he is he's totally listening to this, Al. Let's be honest, he's totally listening. But it's kind of one of those scenarios where um, he's definitely putting in um, the the right amount of work, and I really love his numbers right now. So I I 100% agree with you. Well, you know, if he gets like two ground balls and 15 fly balls in his next start, then I'll know that he's he's a uh, fan rec fantasy baseball listener and and that he just you know. Was, was you know yeah. getting getting too much into himself, so we'll, we'll exactly. keep, keep an eye on that. Uh, and while we're talking about batted ball extremes, let's go the opposite direction because we got nice starts from a couple of fly ball pitchers. Uh, Ariel Miranda uh, against the Angels, seven innings, seven hits, two runs, one walk, five Ks, and he was terrific for the Mariners down the stretch last September. He was, I think, a, really a key guy in terms of keeping them in that wild card hunt right up until the last couple of days. Um, mm-hmm. and after a sort of less than auspicious beginning to this season. Uh, and again, he was only in the rotation because of Drew Smiley being out. He's really right. gotten back to that, that, that form. And then Tim Edelman uh, for the reds against the pirates went six innings, six hits, two runs, one walk and five strikeouts. And Edelman, you know, not a great ERA. I think he's going to be kind of a feast or famine pitcher. And for that matter, I think Miranda is mm-hmm. too, based on the matchups and, and where they're pitching. At least Miranda gets a, a neutral park to pitch in. Uh, Tim Edelman right. has the misfortune of playing for the Reds and playing in that, that tiny ballpark. Not a good place for a uh, for a fly ball pitcher, but he did okay against the Pirates. Um, what's your level of interest with, with either Edelman or Miranda? You know, I actually really do like Edelman, and the reason why is because like the, the the K nine rate for him is certainly there. You know, if you're looking yeah. at the K nine rate, anything above eight, I'm very happy with, and that's definitely a scenario I like to look at. Um, he's not like a huge ground ball pitcher, and he is going to be you know passing a lot of fly balls, but the, it's the the home run to fly ball rate isn't going to ruin him. So that's definitely something that I like too, and. Um, so from that aspect, and they're not really hitting the ball super hard off him either. So he has all the right ingredients to be very successful. And of course, it is a very small sample size so far. But so far, I mean, I don't, I don't hate Edelman at all. And obviously, he's on a certain scenario with the Reds where I think there's going to be a lot of moves that are still going to be made in this in in that industry uh, or the organization for the pitching. But I really like mm-hmm. Edelman. He's probably my favorite out of those two. Well, let's talk about one other pitcher who we could just as easily save for later because I know we want to talk uh, about the A's at some point, uh, fold that into the discussion of your column about Sonny Gray. But yeah, I think it would be remiss not to talk about Jarrell Cotton if we're going to talk about some of the standout performances because mm-hmm. he racked up nine Ks in six innings against the Twins. Uh, that's a quality start for him, three runs in those six innings. I, I'm not sure what to make of Jarrell Cotton. It seemed like there was a ton of hype around him in drafts back in March mm-hmm. and he hasn't quite lived up to it, but then he puts up a start like this. Uh, right. You know, how, how are you reading his season so far? 
I mean, you know, he's, I mean, when it comes to hype, I'm the first person to be like, I'm really weird about hypes for someone. And, you know, I'm an A's fan. So naturally I was excited about it from an A's fan perspective. Fantasy wise, I knew he would be very popular because of the situation with, with the A's itself. The moment Sonny Gray got her, more attention was on Cotton. So that was definitely something to pay attention to. But he's a little guy too. He's not even six foot tall. And so when you're looking at that, that situation itself, you're kind of like, I don't really know how I want to feel about that particular thing but like his fly ball rate's okay and then his line his line and, and ground ball rate are okay too nothing above average in that regard um so that's kind of where I'm at with that but you know guys obviously they, they have they aren't hitting him off of him super super hard it's a little bit more of an increase since last year but I mean we were playing in Oakland half of your games that's to be desired there's that huge foul ball territory and if he, if he can take advantage of that I think he's going to be very successful but you're right his last outing was very good against a, a solid team so that's obviously something to be desired but it's no different when it comes to a hype I really take that with a grain of salt he's somewhat living up to it but heading into the season, I think the, the attention was a little bit too much for him, um, not personally for him, but I think, you know, the attention was there and what have you, but I think it was a little bit exaggerated. Yeah, I think so. You know, he, he really got a lot of strikeouts in the minor leagues. I think people got tantalized by that, and that's where he's fallen a bit short. And then, you know, a point well taken about him pitching in Oakland. I mean, that's, that's you know, I think very helpful to him, especially because even though you say he's been sort of neutral in terms of the batted ball profile in his career, he's kind mm-hmm. of leaned as a fly ball pitcher. And I love to see that mm-hmm. in, in Oakland, just like, you know, back when, when A.J. Griffin was pitching there and he, you know, he mm-hmm. it was really allowing a lot of fly ball. So, yeah, but just things haven't quite panned out so far the way that I, right. I figured they would for, for Cotton. But let's uh, mm-hmm. go uh to to look at some hitters and and stick with the ace here cuz Ryan Healy also I think has not quite lived up to the hype uh, of spring training but he had a nice mm-hmm. game uh that same game against the Twins going 2 for 5 with the home run that's his fourth of the year with a 236 average and I think both the home run total and the batting average are below where a lot of people expect it and I'll I'll say including myself and I had Healy on my bust list and I still thought he would be better than this. So uh, what, what was your level of expectation for Healy coming into this year? Well, you know, there was a lot of expectations only because of the fact of leaving 2016, how many really A's players stood out besides Chris Davis. It was just pretty much Healy and a couple of others. And, the, and that was, you know, what can you do? If he was on any other team, I don't think it would have been the same scenario. So this time around, like he's, he's not really going to be walking a lot. He's not a guy who's going to be getting on base in regards to the walk factor, but he's been striking out quite a bit. And if you, you know, look at the amount of contact he's making, it's not quite there compared to last season. And it's not like the guys have really had a strong, strong schedule to deal with. So there's just aren't really that many excuses he can go for. Um, So I just think there's just, who knows what kind of elements are going up against him. Um, it just seems like he, he's hitting the ball in the air a little bit more, but it doesn't really seem like, you know, his, his home run to fly ball ratio is way, way lower. So he's hitting him in the air, but they're just not going anywhere. So, and then of course, even on the ground, nothing's happening either. So there's just a lot, he's just not hitting the ball. He's not making contact. And if you're looking at him from, you know, you know, DFS perspective, they're not taking him seriously. He's super cheap across the board. And I don't tell people to put him in their lineups anymore. I really don't just because he's, I don't think he's productive whatsoever. So I don't really know what's going on with him. Um, he's, his hard contract rate was raised just a teeny tiny bit, but nothing to be like desired. Um, so he's just kind of like, I kind of wait and see what he can bring to the lineup over the next couple of series. But right now I'm just so not into it. Yeah. Well, I think he got a lot of company there. 
Uh, what's going mm-hmm. on with Marwin Gonzalez in the DFS community? I, I'm really looking forward to hearing about this because, of course, he's the hottest hitter in baseball right now. He's got five home runs in the last four games, six in the last six games, another one on Thursday uh, against the Rangers in a two-for-three game uh, with a walk in that one. And, you know, doing my uh, leaderboard search that I did earlier and I talked about uh, Steve Piscotti ranking much higher than I thought given his results. Marwin Gonzalez, he's he's having just a weird, weird, interesting season. He is eighth in average fly ball mm-hmm. distance, which I guess isn't – it's weird to see his name up there with the Aaron Judges and uh, Eric Thames and, and you know, Mike Trouts. But, you know, given his production, it's it's not totally shocking. But he's he's not launching the ball. So it's it's almost yeah. – you know, his launch angle is well below the average, and his ground ball rate is well above the average. So it's just whenever Gonzalez gets a hold of one – it's it's like you know it's gone <laughs> so yeah uh, how well, is the and from, yeah from a dfs perspective it's really weird because i love an astros deck it's one of my favorite stacks to go for um obviously not like when the diamondbacks are going up in cores with there today like if you look at the prices in the dfs in that game which is hilarious it's so funny um but it's just when it comes to marwin like i love a, a diamondback stack. he's got so much power so a lot of people are going to be excited about putting him in their dfs stuff and then if they're not going to be you know taken out in regards to and he's not striking out a lot too so when it comes to the stack option if you leave marwin out of that stack i don't I don't usually argue. I'm not going to fight to the death for him. Um, he's a fair price. He's not going to set you back a lot of money. But at the same time, you're right. When he does get a hold of the ball, it goes. So he's kind of like a Joey Gallo type of aspect where if you want to put him in your lineup because of the power and you're not too worried about the strikeout rate, which really isn't as bit, as high as it used to be, I don't hate it. But he's not a guy that I'm honestly like, oh, I see an Astro stack. Why did you leave Marlon Gonzalez out? He's not going to be the type of guy where I get upset about that or I kind of talk down to you. He's just kind of there. Um, but he's really not as talked about as much as he probably should be. But the power factor is certainly there. It's very much there, a slugging percentage just through the roof. Um, but beyond that, it's kind of like, what else are you going to do? But he's just like, it's hard to explain, right? I mean, he's got the power and, and that's pretty much it beyond that, though. So stack option without him, I don't hate it. Okay, well, yeah, that's surprising to me that he's not generating more interest right now in DFS. But, uh, you know, there's a, a lot of players who had very good offensive performances uh, on Thursday that are not really household names. So we got a whole bunch of them. So I'm going to kind of go through those rapid fire with you, Jess, afterwards. I'll make sure we have enough time to talk about Sonny Gray and your column. Okay. So everybody stick around. We've got some good stuff coming. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody, to FanBrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me today is Jessica Kleinschmidt. And we've got uh, many, many more standout performances to talk about, Jess's piece on Sonny Gray. But before we get to all that, I want to tell you about the RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge In-Season Fantasy Baseball Package. It is your ultimate bench coach for the 2017 season. Stay ahead of the pack with their in-depth statistical breakdowns, trend analysis, and player insights. Become a waiver wire wizard and learn how to scan the numbers like a Roto scientist. They'll help you set the ideal lineups every week 
And this season, you'll get a built-in fantasy training staff with their new injury advisor powered by InsideInjuries.com. So get the RotoExperts.com exclusive edge in-season fantasy baseball package now and start soaring to the top of your standings. Enter the promo code FREERADIO at the checkout to get a special discount. Um, and before I again get to those uh, much-promised very interesting uh, standout performances. A couple of uh, late-breaking lineup updates here. Bryce Harper not in the Nationals lineup tonight. Ooh. No, no. Well, he got uh, he was you know taken out of yesterday's game yeah. early, uh, so he'll not be facing uh, Nick Pavetta and the Phillies. And uh, he is still dealing with the the groin issue. It is not expected to be serious. He is termed day to day, but not in the starting lineup anyway for the Nationals tonight. And it doesn't another... look like Marwin Gonzalez is in the lineup either. <laughs> Are you serious? I don't think so. I because uh, I'm looking. Yeah, I don't see the Astros lineup yet. So you, you're you've got a scoop there. <laughs> uh, that's interesting. It doesn't look like it. That yeah. is interesting. And one more, because uh, I had discussed this. I think it was on the last show on Monday about Aaron Altair and how he's been tearing it up, but not necessarily playing every day, sitting for uh daniel nava on occasion versus righties and uh actually i take that back that was on a different podcast <laughs> i was talking about aaron altair <laughs> although i've talked about on this one too but uh anyhow he is in the the phillies lineup against steven strasburg and batting second so uh i'm happy to see that although he's probably mm-hmm. he's happy to be in the game he may not be happy to see steven strasburg um, mm-hmm. blue jays just designated matt latos for assignment by the way just saw that one Anyway, let's get back to. I'm, uh, I'm sorry. Shocked. Yeah, got your shock, shocked. shocked emoji face on. Absolutely, over <laughs> over the moon, shocked. <laughs> well, you know they they uh, have some you know vacancies right now. I guess that that's good mm-hmm. for Casey uh, Lawrence. I'm not sure you know how they're going to fill out that rotation, but it won't be with Matt Latos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as, as I mentioned before the break, a lot of really notable hitting performances from players that are not highly owned in uh, seasonal leagues. I imagine probably would come cheap at DFS, but you can correct me on that. Uh, let me do it because there's a bunch of them. So let me kind of break right. these down into some some groups. Tim Beckham went two for four with a pair of homers against the Marlins. He's now got six homers on the season. Keon Broxton with a four-hit game and a home run and a double against the Cardinals. Uh-huh. And he's got six, six steals on the season, although none in that particular game. So Broxton heating up after a miserable start. Colton Wong. Mm-hmm. I, I will admit I have, I have completely dozed on Colton Wong because it's, it's just expectation okay. fatigue with him. Right. <laughs> he's right, batting 303. Right. He went three for four against the Brewers, uh, hit his eighth double of the year, and his third stolen base. And he just has one home run on the year. But uh, I'm not going to argue with that stat line from Colton Wong. Four-hit game from mm-hmm. Danny Valencia, who's also bouncing back from a bad start to the season. Uh, he had mm-hmm. his third home run. That was against the Angels. And Michael Taylor, two for two with two walks and two steals against the Dunbacks. And, of course, we're going to likely see Taylor in the lineup uh, a lot now with Adam Eaton out for the year. So Beckham, mm-hmm. Broxton, Wong, Valencia, Taylor. Um, who who out of that group do you generally like? I realize it did, varies night to night but you know who do you like from a dfs perspective who's who really strikes you as a bargain on a typical typical night 
I mean, I think it, Valencia is definitely one of them only because of the fact of now that there's a couple of, now that Hanager's not there, he, he does kind of get more exposure as far as a DFS play for me. Um, but he's also not as consistent as he was, you know, for instance, on the A's. Um, so I definitely like him from a DFS perspective. I like Broxton. I feel like stashing him in your lineup, he's always got at least a little bit of exposure, even when his performance wasn't too great. And same with Beckham as well. But I'm right there with you with Wong. It's really difficult for me to talk people into it. He doesn't really get talked about a lot in, in the community in the DFS community um so that's kind of where I'm at and I always think of I think it was Heath Cummings who came up with like one of the the Valentine's Day if loving you was Wong I don't want to be right and it was a picture of Wong <laughs> maybe Matt maybe David Wright I don't know so that's so Heath like what can you do but I always <laughs> I remember that, that one really <laughs> yeah it was it was great because I was struggling with my with my Valentine's ones and we love our puns Al so I was really having a rough day and Heath was just like throwing these these darts and hitting bullseyes so every every, every time with that but Wong he's definitely something that I've grown tired of as well. Yeah. Um, well, what about Michael Taylor? Because you know he's not really been hitting a ton, but right. yeah, he picked up those two steals. Those are his first two steals of the season, but I think that's the one thing you could, could rely on him for. And yeah. you know, does that, you think that gives him enough uh, appeal to, you know, start on, or let me, let me get a little more specific with the question under what conditions would you want to start Michael Taylor in DFS? Well, I mean, when it comes to DFS, like obviously his speed is there. And I actually forgot that you mentioned Taylor, so I'm glad you brought him up again. So I really like him from pretty much any perspective. I think he was I was worried he wasn't going to have as much exposure, even with Adam Eaton in or out. Um, but even with Adam Eaton, if he were still healthy, I thought Taylor was still going to get a little bit more exposure. But from Taylor, Taylor from a, a fast perspective is great, especially like on FanDuel, where they get a lot of points for stealing and swiping back. So I definitely like him from that perspective. Um, if you're kind of not sure if you want to go for a Villar or Hamilton, which you should always go for either one of them, but you want to stay away from that matchup and go for a Taylor, I love that matchup as well. All right. Good, good enough. Well, you brought up Jolie Gallo a little while ago, and I exercised some, mm-hmm. some restraint uh, by not going digging in then <laughs> saving him for now but he also had a, a nice game uh two for five uh at the astros uh with a home run that's his ninth so tons of power from joey gallo mm-hmm. not shocking mm-hmm. 211 batting average right. also not shocking mm-hmm. so let's lump him in with matt davidson who in much more limited time has five home runs uh, a 276 average, which for Davidson is, you know, frankly better than I would have expected because I would view him as as more similar to Gallo as somebody who would swap mm-hmm. power for batting average. Uh, two for three in in this particular game against the Royals with a walk. Um, so you know, a couple of interesting guys because again, I, you know, I view them as good power sources. Uh, I you know once Beltray comes back, which is supposed to be at the end of the month, I don't know what happens with Gallo's playing time. I don't know what's ha- what's going to happen with Davidson's playing time. I mean, they could go in opposite directions right. because I do not I do not understand why Davidson is not the regular DH for the White Sox and he's not getting started over Cody Ashey more often. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich Renteria was recently asked about this and he uh, said that he just didn't want to start Davidson against tough righties. And I, that's got me scratching my head. So uh, those two, Gallo and Davidson, um, you know, what do you see for them in the, the weeks to come? I'm actually excited. I've seen both of these two kids play in um, in AAA, and Davidson was, was in AAA with the Diamondbacks a few years ago, and he was just a, a great you know player. And he didn't have 
he, he, it was, it's hard for him to, sh- to say like, oh, he had a lot of power because when you're at the PCL, everybody kind of has a lot of power, especially in Reno. But these two guys are going to strike out a lot. But the thing about the DFS community is they're quite obsessed with Gallo. There are a few guys that will go with Gallo all the time only because of that power factor and they're, and they're not stressing about the strikeout. So from a DFS perspective, both of these guys are kind of in the same boat in regards to striking out a lot. They don't really care because there's still that power factor there. Um, but I think Gallo did have that kind of a, a regression there for a little bit. I mean, he came in hot and everything was great. And I was honestly thinking the worst would happen for him. So I like them both from, from a DFS perspective. I am leaning more towards Gallo just probably because I'm a little bit more biased in that tendency because I've covered him a little bit more and I kind of know where he's at. And we've talked about his confidence factor, and I think he's finally realizing what he needs to work on in regards to that. Um, so I definitely think I'm leaning a little bit more towards Gallo. But over the next couple of games, if you wanted to put stash Matt Davidson in a couple of your lineups, give him a little bit of exposure in your multi-lineup kind of scenarios, I don't hate that at all either. Well, uh, do you not hate Seth Smith? Because he had a four-hit game, his fifth double of the year. Uh, he walked, which is something Seth Smith uh, does with some frequencies, batting 286. He stole home. The Red Sox. Seth Smith stole home. What is <laughs> this world coming to? What is happening in this world? <laughs> you know, I've always kind of liked him. Uh, I love Seth Smith. I love you do? Him. Okay. Well, he, he's a former Ray, so yeah. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I like him. I like him a little bit more with, with playing at Camden because when lefties are at Camden, they can take advantage of those power courses. The right side is, is it's a shorter fence, and I love all of that. So I was a little bit too excited on him for this matchup, but you know, obviously, like last night's game isn't going to make me say like, oh, let let me trade this guy and that guy for Seth Smith. I'm like, I'm not, not going to go too crazy over it. But he had a very successful game. I'm kind of glad he has these games every now and then. But last year in the DFS community, he actually won a lot of people some money um and that's just you know because he wasn't super expensive people didn't take him seriously so he's not going to be highly owned but i really liked him um pretty much overall as a dfs play just because he even though he's not going to be you know super productive every now and then he can really be the reason why you're going to those live finals so i really really like seth smith yeah i just think that smith is somebody who get does get overlooked because you know just like what we talked about with you know certain pitchers like you know Ariel Miranda or Tim Edelman it's like put them in the right environment mm-hmm. and they're going to give you a really nice start Seth Smith you right. get him against a righty in a good park and he can have games like this I remember this with the Padres and when they brought the fences in at Petco and I and and Smith would be a guy that I would you know stream in in certain weeks or you know mm-hmm. uh, in DFS you know certain nights um if he was at Petco against, uh, you know, a, a not, uh, you know, totally uh, dominating righty. And, and you know, mm-hmm. like you said, you know, he, he can, uh, you know, win you a lot of money in those situations. So right. I do think he gets overlooked. Well, uh, you know, let's make the segue here, talking about a former A uh, going to a, a current A. You wrote about Sonny Gray for Fan Rag. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. I think it was just right on the eve of his return from the DL. Mm-hmm. And it was really all about sort of what our expectations should be for Gray this season. And I thought there was some interesting stuff right. there, Jess, uh, not only mm-hmm. about you know, kind of Gray's track record, but about the nature of the injury that he had. Right. So, you know, maybe you can dig into that a little bit for us and, and explain, uh, you know, how happy we should be that Sunday Gray is, is back in the A's rotation. Yeah, so I was more curious about the lat strain and injury itself. And, you know, I always go to Will Carroll for my injury inquiries. And with this scenario, he brought up Steven Strasburg, who went through a same scenario. And the reason why 
he was worried about Sonny's because when it comes to a lat strain, there could be an underlying issue. And that's, that's where I was kind of like, what does an underlying issue mean? And obviously when it comes to a lat strain, you're going to land on the 10 day DL, but what exactly does that mean? He was out for, you know, the first three weeks of the season and um, he did okay in his rehab outings. And I'm really glad when these guys do their rehab outings in the PCL, because it can actually show it's an easier transition for me for what they're ultimately going to be. Um, unfortunately, I don't think Sonny Gray is going to get back to his 2015 status. And I don't think that that people are too surprised with that. Um, but, you know, he fared okay with his return um, against the, the Twins and was doing okay. But overall, you know, I just worry about the guy. I don't know if he's just just burnt out or there's just something different going on. He just is not the, the, the ball player he used to be. Um, so he did okay in his rehab assignment, did okay in his, his, you know, return and everything like that. But when it comes to him, you know, we know he's a ground ball pitcher. And um, even without like a strong uh, defense behind him, the stats show that didn't really matter to him. He still would have struggled with a, with a great defense. So that was definitely something to think about as well. Um, And, you know, that's kind of that scenario. I think the defense is actually a little bit better this time around because last year the the A's had one of the worst defenses in the league. So uh, I don't think he has that factor going up against him. Um, I think there's just a lot more to this, not necessarily this injury, maybe he's just not mentally ready yet. Um, But I don't think people need to get their hopes up in in having a repeat of like an all-star season or a Cy Young talk season. That's just not going to happen. So I, I genuinely worry about him, but I guess give it a couple more more starts, and I know he was a he's always going to be a relatively popular ace in regards to a fantasy pitcher for a season long, but DFS wise, people are not chatting about him at all. Well, you know, Jess, you, you kind of let me down here because at the beginning of the show I said you're going to pick us up, and uh, I'm totally I'm trying to now. humble everybody. <laughs> I'm trying to humble everybody. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I appreciate the honesty. You're giving it to us straight. So, uh, well, mm-hmm. we got some more uh, things to talk about with the A's, uh, not just Sonny Gray. So uh, we got to head to break right now. But when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the rest of the A's roster. So stick around. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and with me, for this entire hour, which we're going to be bringing to a close shortly, is uh, Jess Kleinschmidt, also from FanRag Sports. And just before the break, hopefully you were with us, and uh, Jess was talking about her recent piece on Sunny Gray. Uh, you need to check that out if you're a Sunny Gray owner or hope to be one. Um, and uh, check out all of Jess's work. And, and actually, Jess, I know you're all over the place. Where else can we find you these days? Um, I post all my work on Twitter, so it's just easier just to follow me um, at KleinschmidtJD, but Fangraphs, um, MSN, SportsNot, Yard Barker, pretty much every, any website. It's the, the list of places I don't write is way shorter, but I post, I post everything <laughs> on my, on my Twitter. So if you can, if you need it in my work, it's, it's on my social media. Uh, there you go. Good, good, good tip there. And, you know, I think it was in the last segment, Jesse brought up our, our good friend and my former colleague, uh, Heath Cummings. And I was looking at the mm-hmm. lineups and saw once again that Ryan Goins is filling in for Troy Tulowitzki, who is expected to be back on Monday. Do you, and you know, Do you, I, do you like I, Ryan Goins? I love Ryan Goins. Uh, I mean, from a fancy perspective, I, I can't say that I do. Yeah. I, I got sort of enticed a couple of years ago when he started walking a lot more, but then mm-hmm. he kind of just regress back to who he'd been. He's, he's a nice player. I like him as a player, but you know, sort of the mm-hmm. sort of player I like better in real life. Okay. But I, I used, okay. I used I, to, I that. well, thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, you know, and I, I'm also in terms of things I'm rooting for, speaking of Heath Cummings, you know, when Ryan Goins retires, that I hope that he teams up with Heath and they do a radio show called Cummings and Goings. But oh, my gosh, perfect. I'll I'll make sure I do. I'll make that happen. I Please do. If anybody happen. can, Jess, I know. Yes. I know it's you. I got it. I can do so, it. Done. Well, we we don't have a whole lot of time left, so uh, there are two things, two burning questions I have about the A's. We've already we talked about uh, Ryan Healy. We haven't talked about. Um, uh, Yonder Alonso, uh, so the, we'll have to save that for another time, and he's certainly worth talking about. But the rotation, I think, is is interesting. We've talked about Sonny Gray. We've talked about Jarrell Cotton. Uh, but the mm-hmm. rotation in the closer situation, not really sure right. what to make of either. So uh, who do you trust in either of those situations? And, I mean, with the rotation, that's obviously a question about Santiago Casilla. Do you trust him to keep the job? And, and in terms of the rotation, who who do you like there? I mean, it's difficult because Doolittle just landed on the DL. So that yeah. definitely changes things. If he, if Doolittle was healthy, it would be no question. But I think even when Doolittle is 100% healthy, lately the DL has been kind of a thing that he's been kind of going on. But Casillas' last outing was awful. And it just, like, even without Doolittle on that DL, his kind of job was in question. So I don't have a lot of you know, faith in him. You know, I like Madison, of course, but with Doolittle out of the question, it really makes me nervous. So we're just going to have to settle for Casilla if I really don't like that. But any other any other day, I'm like, okay with Casilla. But with Doolittle out, I just think it's going to make it a little bit messier of a situation for the A's. Well, uh, kind of uh, didn't give you quite enough time to open up on that, Jess. So we'll have to save it for yeah, another I know. time. But uh, anyways, thank you for, for joining me again today.